to another All Out Football podcast episode, and it's another Africa Cup of Nations update episode. I'm joined again by Sam Oni to talk about Afcon again. Uh, hello, Sam. Um, again. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Sam, let's as we record, it's Africa Cup of Nations around the 16 begins, but let's reflect an update on the week that's been since we last recorded. Our first update, which is uh, last week, and Sam, I think it's fair to say that we've had two major shocks, a bit of history on the field, and of course several um, off the pitch talking points. But it's fair to say, Sam, that now the round of sixteen is a bit about to begin. It's where the tournament comes to life. Yeah, indeed. Um, the round of sixteen, of course, is as we know of any international competition, it's known as the business end of the competition because, you know, um, the group stages is just, you know, getting warmed up, seeing how the teams are. And um, the group sta- the group stages, uh, it it was great. I mean, we've had, we've had a few shocks and like you've mentioned, um, two, we've had a couple, we've had a few countries who have been eliminated, big, big name countries. For example, Ghana as well. Ghana, they got eliminated after losing 3-2 to Comoros. So that was quite a shock. It was fair to say, Sam, the tournament, we're reflecting on the group stages as a whole, including including some of the tournament points we had from last, our last AFCON update. Because... I think it's fair to say the tournament started off a little bit slow, but then we saw it was I think it was nine one nine one nil score lines and then two goalers draws in the first round of group matches. But it started to the pace started to pick up a bit, bit um for the rest of the group games. So I wonder what wonder what that could come down to. Just to probably just it might COVID might be a, a, a factor, maybe why why the tournament started off a bit slow, but it's it's burst into life now yeah yeah I mean when when I saw the first few round of games it was it was all one nils or nil nils I I thought oh this tournament's not gone off to a great start I, I don't know if I'm gonna enjoy it there, there was just a lack of goals um a lack of you know a lack of excitement I think the difference between the first round of games and the second round of games I think it was just Purely, I think, purely down to um, the hunger in teams and the excitement to get the fans really going, you know, Um, and also players from their respective nations, they want to contribute as much as possible. So I think that that was quite the difference between the first round of games and the second round of games. So, um, but yeah, I think it's, from the second round onwards, I think it's picked up more excitement. We've seen some brilliant goals. Um, so, but yeah, a lot of a lot of eye-catching moments as well. Let's now focus on the uh, uh, going forward around the sixteen. Who would you say have been the two teams that have stood out so far? I would suggest to you. Nigeria and the host yeah. nation Cameroon. I'd say those two are the, the two countries which have 
stood out so far of being the best teams because of course Nigeria uh, their opening group game against the seven-time champions Egypt they were pretty dominant in that game um, and then of course they beat Sudan and, and Guinea-Bissau so um, you have to say uh, Sam starting with Nigeria they have a 100% record as well um, they've start. they've they're, 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 would you consider them the favourites at the moment ahead of, ahead of Cameroon? Because I'd say Nigeria and Cameroon have been the two teams who started well. Yeah, of course, definitely. Um, they're like I I tip that I'm tipping them to win the tournament. Actually, so just to get my get it out there, I'm tipping them to win the tournament. Um, but yeah, uh, originally I had uh, coming into this tournament, I had four names four nations that I thought, okay, they have a chance to win them. Um, one of them being Nigeria, the other Cameroon. Um, Egypt, Egypt was, was another, was another one. They were, they were the third hat. They were the third one. And my last one was actually Senegal. Um, but, uh, so, but yeah, I think, the main, the top two that have been brilliant, um, Cameroon and Nigeria, they've been great. I mean, they they've both had uh, fantastic runs in the tournament. With Nigeria having their hundred percent record, um, yeah, but I, I think it's great. So I'm really looking forward to the round of sixteen. Of course, just for context for for those who listen, is that Nigeria they dismissed their long term serving manager didn't they uh, before about just about four weeks for the t- tournament i'm not i'm i'm gonna try and pronounce this correctly sam gernot ruhr is that how you is that how you yeah. say his name? yeah gernot ruhr yeah that's it and yeah. then of course the new interim coach is augustine egwa egwa let's go go with that um so with it with an interim coach would you say that because because that if you lose a manager it can be difficult to adjust to a new coach but they've adjusted well yeah yeah um like like you said i mean Garant Rua, he was dismissed by nigeria i think four weeks before the tournament was due to start now that's you know that's a that's a that's not a long time frame that's very short and you're probably thinking if i was one of if i was one of the players i'll be thinking First of all, why have you, you know, sacked the manager? We, we've had quite a good footballing relationship. What could have possibly gone wrong? And then another question that I'll be asking is, who are you going to bring in and how are we going to adapt to this person's new system, especially with the tournament so so close by? So um, I think the thing about Nigeria is that they've had to really, like, do things very quickly in a short amount of time, especially with the new interim manager, Augustine Equipem, who is a former former Nigeria player as well. And um, I'd say they've done quite well to adjust into his system and uh, he's pulling some good results, which is great to see. And Cameroon, Sam, um, wins over Burkina Faso, Ethiopia. Um, they've, they've topped Group A. Uh, Vincent Abu Abu Bakar netting five goals to equal a tournament scoring record for Cameroon. So 
Camarina are on the up. In, yeah, they are. Um, Vincent Abubakar has is, is been fantastic throughout the tournament. He he's such a he's such a great striker. One thing I like about him is his is his um is his eye for goal and his accurate. He he's such a great finisher. I think one thing that you look to a, if you if you want a striker, I think the first thing you'd look at is. His finishing, how how good of a finisher is he? And um, you know, five goals, five goals in the tournament, including some penalties as well, um, which is great to see. And uh, he's been really, he's been a really great, great player throughout the tournament. And um, yeah, I don't think anyone is gonna stop him from getting that top score award. So um, yeah, he's been great. Now let's talk about um, two of the the shocks of of Afcon so far. Um, two of the heavyweights who, of course, are out of the tournament, and that is the defending champions Algeria. They crashed out after a three one defeat against Ivory Coast, um, and I think that it's also good to point out for Arsenal fans that Nicolas Pepe put Ivory Coast three up um, before. Riyad Mahrez, of course, the Algeria captain, uh, hit a, a penalty against the post. Um, Sam, I think it's always the case with any tournament that the defending champions might struggle to defend their title. It, it does happen in the past in tournaments where it's a World Cup or Euros that the defending champions don't tend to play well. Is that a fair assessment of Algeria? Yes. I, yeah, I think I'd agree in this case, um, because, you know, Algeria, they won the last Africa Cup of Nations in 2019, beating Senegal 1-0. And, um, you know, they come into this edition to defend their title. And um, like you said, they've struck, I think they've struggled all throughout the tournament. Um, I think the 0-0 draw against Sierra Leone, I, that was the probably the start of, you know, not having a great tournament, if you get what I mean, because you expect them to hit the ground running. You're defending champions. You want to stamp your authority in the tournament, if you understand what I mean. So you want to get off to a good start. You want three points on the board to, to show other nations, oh, we, we are the defending champions. We, we're going to retain this title. And Algeria, they didn't really look like defending champions. Uh, I, I don't know. They just, the games, they, they didn't perform very well. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's sad to see them go, but it was, it was what it was. You mentioned already that the four-time champions, Ghana, uh, were also knocked out. They finished bottom of Group B after a stunning three-two uh, uh, loss by the debutants uh, Comoros. But I'm going to focus Sam on, on Senegal, one of the all um, pre-tournament uh, favourites, which you mentioned. They they have finished top of Group B, but they only managed to score one goal. But away from away from the goal side of things and the forward line for Senegal, Sam is that one of the things that's hampered. Uh, the team has been, of course, the, the Chelsea goalkeeper, Edward Mendy, and, and captain uh, Kalidou Koulibaly um, because of COVID for their first two games. Yeah. But 
their performances, do you think that they'll they'll start to pick it up a little bit because of absentees? But if they have them back, then maybe that there's a chance that Senegal might actually perform better um, in the round of 16. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think so. Because, um, you know, coming into the tournament, like you mentioned, um, Edward Mendy and Kaladu Kudubali, they, they had COVID, so they had to, you know, they were absent for like the first couple of games. And um, they've, Senegal, they've, they haven't really got themselves up and running yet. Like you said, the only goal they scored was uh, a, a, 90, a 97th minute, you know, penalty by Sadio Mane. So we haven't really seen the best of them. So and uh, yeah, I I just think when when they when they now have their key players back, Mendy and Kulubali, I think this will be the time that they start to pick up. You know, we'll start to hopefully they'll score more goals because I think Senegal are a really good side. They have some really good players, and uh, it'll it'll be great to see. And I I think they can go far in the tournament, but they need to score some goals first. Yeah, and I think also linking to Senegal in terms of Senegal, of course, they only managed to score one goal. But um, another side that's been sort of finding it difficult to find the back of the net is, is Egypt as well. Most talk about Egypt because, of course, uh, most sound, of course, Liverpool fans will be interested. Is that, um, of course, they lost Nigeria and then they beat uh, Guinea-Bissau and Sudan 1-0. Um, again, you'd expect Egypt to... To, to improve, you, you think? Where, where would you, just quickly, Sam, where would you, in terms of, we mentioned Nigeria and Cameroon as, as probably the two teams who have really, who've really started very well, but where, can you see Egypt and Senegal catching them up and improving? Because you, I don't think you can guarantee anything going forward, really, can you? Do you mean in this tournament or just overall? Yeah, in the tournament overall, Senegal and Egypt, do you think that there is a chance that they could almost play catch-up, really, with scoring more goals, improving as, as a whole? Uh, I think I think Egypt could probably... I think... Yeah, I think they could, Egypt. Um, I mean, they have a very trick... They have a very difficult matchup in the round of 16 against Ivory Coast. So... I, I expect goals... In that game, I've even got some predictions as well for the for the round of sixteen. But for for Egypt, I think you know the first thing you think about is Mo Salah, Mo Salah, who's an exceptional player, unbelievable, unbelievable talent for Liverpool and for Egypt as well. But um, you know, football is a team game. Yes, you have your key man. You want your you want your main man to step up, but you can't just you know expect one man to do a whole team's job. So and they have some they have some talents, Egypt, in their team. So um yeah, I think if they can really get some goals on the board, then that would be good for them. Same with Senegal as well. Um so yeah, it it'll be it'll be good to see how that comes how that turns out. I think moving on, it's a case of you can't underestimate any teams, particularly those who are who are minnows in this tournament, who are who are not favourites and have caused some shocks. And one of the one of four teams have caused 
uh, caused shocks at AFCON, and that's Equatorial Guinea. 85 places below Algeria, because they ended their 35-match unbeaten run. Uh, Comoros, of course, their first ever AFCON goals and, and a maiden win over Ghana, who were down to 10 men. Um, they're qualified for the last 16 as one of the best uh, third-place teams. Gambia, another team, the other uh, first-timers yeah. in Cameroon. They've qualified for the last 16 after winning their opening game against uh, Muratana. Uh, they also grabbed a late draw against Mali, and they also beat Tunisia. And Malawi as well, also made the knockout stages. They've, they've played some good football, Sam, Malawi. Um, they were they were beaten by Guinea, but they they, they beat uh, Zimbabwe, and they uh, got a, a decent draw against Senegal. So Equatorial Guinea, Comoros, Gambia, Malawi, out of those four sides, Sam, as I said, it's, it's a bit like FA Cup here in England, where the minnows against the giants. That's what you could yeah. describe them as. So out of those four teams, Sam, who who stands the best chance of going further around the 16, do you, do you, do you feel? Uh, so first of all, I haven't focused on those four teams in the tournament. <laughs> but looking at, looking at it, I think Gambia have the potential of probably causing an upset. Um, I think maybe because uh, you know this is the first time that they that they are participating in that tournament, so and the fans as well, the Gambian nation, they they are, they are really it's a, it's a great story that they're up that they're that they're on, and um, they're up against Guinea, so um, maybe they could be the first. they could be the team to go the furthest in the competition out of those four, but. It'll be exciting to see how it turns out as well. Equatorial Guinea have been great, you know. They've been trying, they've been easing themselves into the tournament, getting to the, get, just getting the gist of it. And uh, it's great to see that they were able to qualify for the round of sixteen. So let's focus Sam on some of the, the round of sixteen ties for you. I also want to mention just some some individual players who have stood out and some also which are no longer in the tournament as well. I want to just focus on that. So, Sam, round of 16, before I go through each individual result, I asked you last week, who do you, who do you think stands in the best uh, stead to possibly go on and win the whole tournament? So, what's your thoughts now in terms of who might win compared to last week? Nigeria and I'm not saying that because you know that's my country I'm saying that because they are really you know they're really performing well it's not it's not every time that you know you sack your main manager four weeks before a continental tournament and you have to bring in someone else that's a lot of work to adapt to a new system and to get that ready playing that in a big continental tournament such as AFCON uh, and um, it's not yeah like I said it's not easy and they've done really well to you know they've got nine points from three games maximum points so I think I'm tipping them to win the tournament and I think they can go on and win it Cameroon close closely second so as I said they are the top two Top two, top two nations to likely win this tournament. 
Okay, so let's now let's just focus on a few other issues with with Afcon at the moment, Sam, because there have been a few um, organisational hitches. Because there, um, I think that one point to stress is that the Confederation of African Football is uh, is still in discussions about the poor state of the pitch in Douala, uh, the yeah. the um, Japoma Stadium. Uh, the, the the surface hasn't been great. Um, it was only opened in 2020, but the, the services proved to be near enough unplayable at times, uh, scrappy games, player errors. Um, I think that, um, that that's a, that's a key thing to say, uh, Sam, but I said, what, what can the CAF actually do to resolve that, really? Um, it's, uh, honestly, I, it's more about just take, I'll just put it simply, just try and take care of the, you know, the pitch and maybe like, you know, try to get some extra funding and put it towards the pitches, the football pitches to make it, to make the pitches better, you know, because you don't want, you don't want the pitches to be in such a bad state that, you know, it could cause, it can cause players to get, injured you know they can get injured easily and also yeah I just think just more funding into the pitches to try and make them you know playable and better but better equips if you get what I mean because you don't you don't want to be playing on you know you, you don't want to be playing on pitches that are not uh suitable enough so I think it's down to the Africa it's down to the federation to, you know, try and get these pitches sorted and just make it more playable. Yeah, and also must mention that last week we were discussing when the the Zambian referee uh, Jani Sikwaze blew blew for full time thirteen seconds early in the Mali Tunisia game. Um, but a more positive story this week, Sam, is that Rwanda's Salima Mukansanga. Uh, has become uh, the first woman to take charge of a men's Nations Cup game. She refereed as Zimbabwe's win over Guinea. So that's as a positive step forward, Sam. It is, and um, it's a it's a great step because um, women who want to you know contribute in football, whether it be coaching or refereeing, I think is great for them because it it's a it's a sign that they are they are role models to. Young young girls, young women who want to, you know, be a part of the be a part of football in any way, whether it's a player or coach or referee. It's it's almost like the same in it's like the same in uh, in around Europe in England. You know, we're seeing a lot of female coaches, we're seeing uh, female referees, fourth officials. You know, they want to contribute to football. And um, I think we should we should take this we should take this in open arms. We shouldn't criticize. I honestly, I don't see. I don't understand why one has to criticize towards females for doing the same job as the men. You know, refereeing, coaching. At the end of the day, everybody's learning and they want to contribute. So, but I think it's great that um, this the first ever female referee to referee um, Africa men's game so I think it's great 
I just finally, Sam, I just want to uh, move on to um, three uh, individual players. Um, I want to focus on Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang because, of course, the the, the Gabon uh, captain who, who's not played at, uh, in Cameroon after testing uh, positive for, for COVID. Uh, and he also took to social media to deny widespread reports he had returned late to camp after a night out drinking. Um, the Arsenal strikers, of course, returned to his club for further tests and what the Gabon FA have described as heart um I think it's, it's, it's something to do with medical issues and heart scans um, back in London, yeah. but he's absolutely fine. That's what he has said. So a little bit of concern there, Sam, but I think on top of this, it's a player who I think has got to... Would you say it's fair that Aubameyang's got to find himself again for Arsenal go on the back of what has been an Africa Cup Nations, which I'm afraid it hasn't gone well for him? Um, yeah, I would say so. Uh, his performances on the pitch haven't been great. They haven't been great at all. Um, some would question his attitude when it comes to playing on the pitch, whether he, whether he wants to be playing for the club. And also, like, you know, Trying to find form because you want you want the bet you want your you want your top striker to be performing game in game out scoring your goals and if you don't have that then uh, then it's it's kind of worrying questions will be asked and also Gabon as well they they wanted they were expecting you know Aubameyang to play have a major role in the tournament and uh, it's it's sad that he caught COVID and he's having medical issues with his heart and uh, I hope he, he recovers he recovers well but um, you know when he comes back to playing on the football pitch the club Arsenal they were hopefully they can expect you know a different attitude from him as well and also uh, Sam we said in the first episode about whether there's enough respect for the Africa Cup of Nations. I also want to just ask you quickly about when players return to the Africa Cup of Nations, whether they should be given time to rest up and be prepared to come back for their clubs. Now, one thing that happened this week, uh, again with Arsenal, is the Carabao Cup second leg. Arsenal v Liverpool. Liverpool, of course, gone on to go to the final at Wembley. But Arsenal, um, Thomas Partey was back involved after coming back from the tournament from Ghana. But and he got sent off for two two yellow cards. So, yeah, that's that challenge to get in a second yellow card. It looked it looked like a tired challenge, as though he's he just he almost a sense that his head just wasn't in the right place. I think is it fair to say that there's not not enough fair treatment for players when they come back from from tournaments, particularly because of course Afcon takes place during. The Premier League at the moment and other divisions, of course. But is that a fair argument that managers of clubs need to give players time when they come back from from, from the tournament? All players. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so because, uh, like, first of all, I was I was quite I was quite surprised that Partey even played in that game against Liverpool. I wouldn't have expected him to at all. I wouldn't have expected him to play. Um, 
And then second of all, should clubs be should clubs give players time for rest coming back? I think they should because you know having a long tournament is and the rest the rest and recovery is not easy. Like you know with the games as well. I think another example that I can think of where players have had a lot of rest is the Euros from the the delayed Euros when England reached the final against Italy where they lost. You know, some some players they they took they had a, a decent amount of time to rest and recuperate to get themselves ready for the season. So I think clubs should do that, especially for players that come back from AFCON, you know, because you don't want your player to be overworked. You don't want their play, your player to be tired, especially if a big game is coming around the corner. So I think it's important that clubs, they manage their players properly. They manage their players well, well enough so that they can rest up and be prepared both both physically and mentally. Yeah, I think I think there's a fair argument that you've got to give players a little bit of recovery time to come back from a tournament um, and then prepare for fit for your club. I think that's a I think there is an argument to be had there. Sam, thank you for joining me again on the Wall Out Football Podcast. We'll be back with another update uh, next next time after after um, the round of sixteen. I'm sure there's plenty to talk about after the next round of games about who makes the quarterfinals. And of course, the final is is slow slowly but surely approaching as well. So Sam, Indeed. Sam, thank you for joining me again, and don't forget to check out All Out Football on Twitter uh, at All Out Football underscore. Uh, don't forget, All Out Football is a, a football writing platform uh, for opinion-based articles and articles about uh, games, talking points you want to write about as well. It's for not just for uh, UK writers, but also uh, writers across the globe. So I do get involved in the podcast. If you want to come on as a guest, talk about your club or talk about your, your country, then please do uh, come on to the podcast and talk for whatever topic and whatever team you'd like. So thanks, Sam, once again. Thank you to those who listen, and we'll be back with another episode of the All Out Football Podcast very, very soon.